the best way to know what kind of content to be producing in the first place is to talk to your customers. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. This is a long time episode in the making. We've rescheduled, I think, three times. So this is a record. Third time's a charm. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the best part is you're here locally in Columbus, Ohio with me and we couldn't make it work. Nor have we purposely met up in person. I know. Yeah, we forgot to get coffee too. So my mystery <laughs> guest that I haven't introduced yet is Val Geyser. She's the chief email officer of Fix My Churn. Uh, they're a team of specialists dedicated to keeping customers around longer through better lifecycle and transactional email campaigns. I can't believe I did that all in one take. Good job. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Why is email important? Well, probably because everybody thinks about transactional emails, right? Like that's kind of... If you don't have transactional emails, like what are you even doing with your business? Um, But there's so much more to email. And that's what's really fun for me about it is that there's so many opportunities to... Especially in today's like data-filled world, um, we have so much information about our customers and it's just a matter of using it. And email is always going to be the best way to reach people. Um, it is direct. You um, like quote own your list. You know that it's not run by engagement on a social media uh, platform or you know managed by the amount of money you're willing to spend on an ad. Once you have someone's email address, you can talk to them, talk directly to them. And so email is cool for lots of reasons. And we can talk about maybe some of them unless this is like a three hour show. But yeah, I think email matters a lot. And most people are doing like 5% of what they could do. Oh, you have no idea. Uh, And I will talk about that later. (laughs) So um, what brought you down this path of uh, email and and copy and you know, just the power of owning that relationship with your customer? Um, you know, the, the kind of joke about email marketers is that nobody got into email like on purpose. You know, there's no, um, there's no degree in email marketing. Maybe there is actually. I, I haven't really looked, but you know, it's not something that people necessarily choose to go into. We all kind of just landed here through happenstance and experience. Um, so I got into email. Uh, by way of working for an ESP, so I was the I was the the email marketer, the the person sending the emails that did the marketing for the email marketing company. So that was um, a little bit of a meta job, um, maybe as meta as you could possibly get, actually. And I I just fell in love with email on both sides. So I I learned. The tip of the iceberg as far as like deliverability, and um, I have a a little bit of knowledge there from being on the backside of an ESP. But then I also, as the person sending, and uh, and and then also having all of these customers who are doing really cool things with their email campaigns, 
uh, being able to watch what they were doing and and see it from a uh, uh, the software side. It was just like a crash course in email marketing. And I just fell in love. I think that's the best way to learn any new skill is just trial by fire. But my project manager, Andrew, would murder me for that opinion. <laughs> well, it was kind of like, um, you know, where they say the best way to learn a language is to go to the country and, you know, just like immerse yourself. That was definitely that. That's how I learned the language of email. Absolutely. So, speaking of language of email, what's your favorite salutation? Oh, uh, well, it depends on the brand. Oh, and see, that's the thing. Um, that's the number one answer that I will give you about everything email is it depends. And you have to test it. But as far as uh, like for my own personal use, it's usually hey. <laughs> um, yeah. Or that's a greeting, I guess, right? Salutation is the sign off. Ah, uh, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I think because, right, like the saying is greetings and salutations, right? So that's the hello and goodbye. I think salutation is sign off. Perhaps. I know that Sean, um, my business partner, broke me of the habit of saying, hey, he thought it wasn't as professional. And then he got me stuck on saying hi. Hi. Uh, that was 4 years ago. I don't know. But that's... you know, I think it's to each their own. You know, It's your personal brand. You can say what's up if you want. Right. Exactly. So like the, to that point about it, it's not... Quote, not professional. Um, maybe your brand is one that is purposely not professional. And so, hey... I mean, it makes total sense. Like, like our friend Nick uh, has a cl- client or worked with a client um, that's very <laughs> brusque, I suppose. Uh, and they, um, you know, they'll send emails like "Hey, moron," and <laughs> that's how they start their emails to to their email list. And it's people sign up for their to engage with their brand because of that language. It's not um, it's, it's not a turnoff in that case. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So uh, when we were at the Clavio conference a few months ago, I have a terrible perception of time. Chubby's was one of the was giving a talk on on you know how they're doing emails and whatnot, and they said that their list has uh, grown a lot, but it, it hasn't grown along with sales. And what they found is that like they're like very hilarious and and goofy antics in their emails have attracted. Kind of just people that want to be on the list to see what, like what they're gonna say and what they're gonna send. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you can get you can kind of say whatever you want in your emails, and if if your brand is true and you've got your audience and your market picked out correctly, they're probably gonna respond to it. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see like how many people join the Chubby's list to just check out their emails and have uh, you know enjoy some time in their inbox. And then end up becoming customers, but you know, not like with the intention of becoming customers, but end up buying anyways because of it. Oh yeah, I mean, it's the old you know seven touch points to win a uh, customer, or now it's twelve or a hundred. I don't know, but you know, it's. <laughs> I bet you there are people that signed up just because it was goofy, and then they're like, you know what, I want those shorts. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's several brands I've interacted with lately that uh, make me feel that way. Uh, Tushy is one of them. I am. I do, I'm familiar. Uh, yeah. So they have some really great language, both in their emails and on their site. And it just makes you feel like, yeah, I, w- I want to buy from you guys. Like I, I have options in this world. But, um, you know, and MeUndies is another brand that is a great example of using copy wisely to attract their, their right customers, whether that person was intent on becoming a customer or not. Absolutely. So we're talking about all these great brands that are doing it right. Now it's completely 180. That's going backwards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to the other side of it is 
what about the small business that's just breaking into this something beyond like sale, sale, sale? Yeah. You know, how do you do from nothing to kind of this relationship building, this personalization, having a great email experience, I guess, for lack of a better better words, like where where should I start? You know, what are some concepts to keep in mind? So I think of instantly about this uh, company that I recently purchased from and then ended up on their email list. And um, they're called Compete Every Day. It's a little t-shirt company designed for athletes and um, uh, you know, with that mindset of compete every day. And they do such a beautiful job of telling their story. And I think that that is what small brands should focus on. Um, because you know, you don't have the ad budget for uh, every single podcast commercial out there like me undies does, right? So you have to do something that's different and and meaningful to your customers. So uh, compete every day. I don't know how many customers they have or email subscribers they have, but they most likely have less than me undies. And uh, so what they do is they tell their story. the The founder uses the welcome email to say like, "Hi." This is me and this is what I do and why I care about it and why I make these t-shirts in a world of like everybody's making a t-shirt. And um, by the way, I you know I do some motivational talks for corporations and you know you can like he even goes so far as like if you if you want to talk to me about those things, hit reply. Otherwise, I'm so excited that you're here. And so he does like a little selling of his own side hustle for his t-shirt business in his emails. But the point is that he really focuses on the story of why he started his company. He acknowledges the fact that, you know, me being there on his email list, he he notices it, it makes a difference to him. Um, and that there's uh, there's this community being built around this brand of compete every day and and that's what is um, that's what everybody wants is to feel like a part a part of something feel some belonging and so he just capitalizes on that and then continues that messaging throughout uh, his entire email experience and it's just perfect for a small brand no yeah I fully believe in just you know being honest and sharing the story. Uh, I honestly think the more and more that I'm getting down this rabbit hole of business and you know strategy and the marketing, all that fun stuff, it, it always comes back to the like sim- the same core concepts always come up, and every strategy or tactic is kind of just based off that. And like the first one is like people want to do business with people. They you know they want to know there's a human on the other end of that transaction, and they're curious as to yeah. you know why are they doing this? Why do they deserve my money versus this other company? Right. And even him talking about like, hey, I do these motivational talks on, you know, if for corporations or whatever. Um, and I think that he even like links to uh, a video of one like on YouTube or, or something. And he, by doing that, establishes even more humanness, right? So it's not just that he has his signature there and he says his name and he addresses you directly as the reader, all of those things are important. But then I have, as the reader, I have this opportunity to go watch a video of him and he becomes a real human being in my mind. And then when I'm thinking about where I'm going to buy my next t-shirt to work out in, that's the company that comes to mind first and foremost. I mean, even just in this example, like you talking to me about what businesses are doing it really well, that came to mind instantly. Oh, yeah. So 
you mentioned in kind of the, the notes here that there's a simple solution to stop your brand from feeling like a vending machine. I feel like that's going to be a quick win for a lot of our listeners. Oh, yeah. What is that simple solution? <laughs> um, to, to not just email your list when you have something to sell them. So um, finding that way that your brand can add value beyond your products and delivering that value to your customers. So it's a simple yet possibly complex solution um, because it can be difficult to land on like, well, we're a, you know, um, in Tushy's example, we're a bidet company. Like how can we add value to our customers? Well, you know what they do is they take everything they can out of the news about... uh, quite honestly, about poop and uh, and put it into a regular newsletter for their customers. So um, they don't have... Well, they actually just launched a toilet paper. So now they have a subscription model in their business. But it's not like you're going and buying a bidet every month. Um, so they want to keep you engaged so that when you're thinking about gifts or when um, you know you... I don't know... Build an addition and have another bathroom. I don't know when you would need more than one, but um, they they engage you and they become the leading authority on poop, and that's what they're solving the problem that they're solving with their product. And so they go out and and seek out those resources to become that authority in your inbox. Um, they recently sent an email about how there's a a car company that's experimenting with using cow manure to provide fuel for cars. Um, and like this, I mean, it's, it's related. It has nothing to do with human poop, but it's, it means something to them, right? So, and it probably means something to their customers and it's interesting. And again, I can recall that from one reading one email a couple of weeks ago here in this conversation. So it, it obviously makes a difference. No, I think that's a fantastic strategy. Uh, and also, congrats on being the first person on the podcast to say poop. Yay, multiple times. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll make sure that you get a banner. Um, so <laughs> I think that, you know, that almost goes hand in hand with just the power of like having a niche and the power of having a brand. If you're kind of selling, if you're an internet bodega, <laughs> is my term I like to use for you're selling everything and you don't really have a story around it. Um, you know, it's harder to create a strategy around your email. Whereas, you know, Tushy and these other examples, they have they have a, a brand, they have like a particular niche, a particular market. So it's a lot easier to find reasons to email your customer, give them strategy, give them news, uh, you know, p- potentially create content that plays into what your audience wants to see. Um, so I think that's just something to keep in mind as you any listeners evolving their business uh, and thinking about where they want to go with it. It's like if you've got like a, a niche market or you know you've got your segment pretty pretty picked out and it's pretty solid and it's working for you and you're getting your sales, it makes it so much easier to make that content down the line. Yeah, um, I think the best way to know what kind of content to be producing in the first place is to talk to your customers. Um, and you know, it's another thing to add to your to-do list when, especially for small brands, you're probably wearing multiple hats, if not all of the hats of your business. And 
um, going out and having meaningful conversations with your customers can be challenging when you're just trying to like get everything done that you need to get done. Um, but it does make all the difference. It, it can help you discover what they need to hear about. You know, it's a little bit more on the like app side of things. But I had a, a client that I worked with recently that we did some customer interviews for them, and their app is very habit based. Um, and so it's like a daily activity kind of thing. And so they knew habits were really important to their customers. But um, the one thing that they didn't realize what that we found in doing customer interviews was several of their customers said over and over again, like, I'm very OCD. Um, they use that term a lot. And uh, so we were able to create content around habit building and, um, you know, wanting things a particular way and spending a lot of time on a thing. So um, whether, whether they realized it or not, that those are particular traits of their their customers. Um, and so instead of just continuing to push them into the app, we were using emails to talk about things that mattered to their customers and made them feel like, oh, this brand really gets me. And um, and so, you know, they they understand me, I'm going to continue to engage with this brand instead of just continuing like doing doing the same old habits that we already existed, establishing new ones with this brand in mind. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. And just going back to the talking with your customers, that helps beyond your email. That helps throughout your business from your product design to your marketing uh, through Facebook and Instagram, you know you can find the exact phrases that people are saying. You know that can translate over to your your what you want to say in your emails. Uh, it's there's so much stuff you're going to find out just by talking to your customers. So you know making an effort to do that and finding a finding a way to do that that you know making it part of your business and doing it every couple of months is is going to work so well for you. Yeah, I think if you can schedule um, a you know a, a day of it and, and put it on your calendar every quarter to have a couple of customers that you're interviewing on, you know, either a day or two days. Um, and just, you know, take those insights. Yeah, we do these interviews for the purpose of writing better onboarding emails for our clients, but they take the the transcripts and the the survey responses that we give them and apply it to their marketing messaging on their website to um, their sales teams going out and and how they talk to people they um, I even had a client completely pivot their product because of those interviews where they said wow everyone is really focused on this thing so we're gonna we're gonna go double down over here and leave this other stuff behind yeah and that's the power of just asking the people that are actually giving you their hard-earned money for your product why they did it. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, so to to change up a little bit, we're one week from Black Friday. Uh, you know, one week and two days, which I'm super excited about. Just you know, this is the busiest season for us. I don't know about yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for fitting me in, but you know this isn't going to come out until January, right? So uh, I think in January, you know the the holiday season's gone. You know there's been so much sales and it's so many blasts about these, you know, flash sales, whatever. You know, uh, you mentioned here that there are there are certain times when you shouldn't send a promotional email. So let's let's kind of explore that. Yeah. So I think it's really important to be aware of what's going on in the world. Um, so, And I see this happen with too many brands. And unfortunately, it's actually the bigger brands that fall prey to this is that um, there's something really meaningful happening in the world and, and or even in a, a particular part of the world. So um, like a, a hurricane on the East Coast or forest fires in California or um, Brexit in the UK. Like there's all kinds of um, both natural and man made disasters um, happening. And when you're sending promotional emails in the midst of all of that, it's not only incredibly distracting for your customers, it's quite often seen as very rude and out of touch. Um, so that's that whole like you need to understand your customers, all they want to feel is seen and heard. If you can help them feel that by acknowledging what's going on in their world, that makes a huge difference. So there are ways to do it that, you know, instead of sending your standard email that you were going to send, let's say it's, um, you know, forest fires in California, uh, you can to that portion of your subscribers or even to your global subscriber list, you can say like, Hey, we're recognizing this big problem going on. So we're we're gonna stay out of your inbox, but we want to let you know that if you choose to purchase from us during this week um, or you know this set period of time, we're gonna make a donation to the Red Cross or to a as a support group um, in that area and get your customers involved in um, you're acknowledging what's going on, and then you're also you have an opportunity to get your customers involved in helping. You know, it just creates such a, a feeling of community again. Um, so I think it's really important to know what's going on in the world and um, be careful about sending promotional emails during challenging times, which these days could be every day. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind. And it's something I honestly uh, haven't thought about too often. Uh, so I, you know, you, you might have changed up my strategy a bit, but I'm going to take that to heart and really use it. That's a fantastic... It's not an idea or a strategy or anything. It's just being cognizant of what's going on in the world. Yeah. I think it's just being like creating a humanness inside of the like the box of our computers, you know? I mean, everybody thinks about email as so like, it's it's just this thing. It's this um, thing we do as a business. But you have to remember that there's a human person going into their inbox opening the emails and reading them. And even though you have this like quote list and we're going to send it if if I hear the word blast one more time it's just like 
the worst possible word you can use, but um, I hear it a lot. People say like, we're going to blast our list. Well, no, you're going to send an email to like people on the other side of the email don't think about themselves as part of a list. They think about themselves as one of your customers or one of your potential customers. And so how are you going to communicate with that individual person? on the other side of the email. Yeah. And you know what? I think that is a great segue into... I know one of your favorite topics is... you know, What is what is the framework that is going to help customers make more money? And I've heard you talk on this before. So I'm excited to hear it again. Oh, yeah. So I think the, the best thing that you can do is create a really strong welcome sequence for your customers. And this is where I think a lot of e-commerce brands get it wrong, quite honestly, is that um, we place an order and and then uh, the emails that we get are... all The only emails we get are related to our order. And I think that it's really important to make sure that those take precedence over anything else. Um, but once that order has been delivered, that's your opportunity to come in and say hello well say hello first of all as soon as they place the order but then after the order has been delivered continue to give them those value ads and and mix it up with the promotional emails so that they don't just feel like I'm just a wallet I'm just a, a credit card that I enter into your website and all you want from me is money um, give them opportunities to engage uh, whether it's you know a, a lot of brands have like a, a Facebook group or something for their their customers where they can all interact together if it's an Instagram hashtag that they can post to um, creating a sense of community and then giving back to them through the value add content and um, I use a framework called the dinner party strategy where you can uh, kind of think about your welcome emails your onboarding emails like a dinner party you know you don't walk up to somebody at your front door and and serve the main course before they've walked in your house. Um, you, you invite them in. You offer drinks and appetizers that um, you know complement the meal. And then you all sit down at the table and serve the meal. Um, and, and there's dessert and there's uh, conversation and there's all these things that make up a dinner party. And it's not just about having the the quick sandwich on the way out the door. It's a, a dinner party is a, a event for a reason. And you're onboarding that initial touch point where your customers are experiencing you for the first time has to be a focus for your brand. Um, otherwise, you do run the risk of being just like a, a commodity, a marketplace that they they go to once and never come back to. And if you're interested in this dinner party strategy, you can actually find it on Val's website. So that's fixmychurn.com slash TDPS or you know the dinner party strategy. Uh, so I would, I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, I actually took a look at it a few months ago. It's a fantastic little framework to help you wrap your head on how to write this stuff. Um, so before I let you go, I do have one more question for you. You know, These days, something that's really kind of popular uh, that people are adding on to their business or the whole basis of a business is kind of this subscription-based service, You know, subscription product businesses. Uh, do you have any tips specifically for those types of businesses? Oh, yeah. Subscription models are perfect for ongoing email. So um, you have, you know, the one of the biggest problems with subscriptions is customer retention. And this is where the opportunity to engage becomes extra important. So I think about um, two different phases of you have that, that I call it onboarding welcome email phase of 
when they have made their first purchase. So first purchase to second purchase. Everyone talks about second purchase in in the e-commerce world. But what I think is really interesting beyond second purchase is that subscription. And for a lot of brands, it's kind of that like 6 to 9 month mark. Maybe your brand is more or less. But you want to know where that cliff is where customers start to fall off. And create messaging for them that is specific to their needs, their interests, um, the, the way that they're using the product. And not just make it a like 12 step uh, process to change a subscription once they log into your their their customer portal on your website don't make it the the most difficult thing ever to change or cancel a subscription a lot of people think about like impacting churn from that standpoint like well let's just make it really hard to cancel or give them lots of options so that they feel like they never want to cancel to me that's like a little too late if you can message them prior to that point where they start to drop off, then you get a, a, a lower churn because they are thinking about your brand in a meaningful way. They're making decisions based on um, the relationship that they have with you and not based on like, oh, well, it's just really hard to cancel. So I'm not going to. Um, it's very, very hard to churn away from a relationship with a person like it's hard to say hey chase i don't want to buy your thing anymore um can you just turn it off for me but it's a lot easier to cl- go into a portal click and turn something off um if all you are is a product or and the back end is a piece of software that does it then that's really simple to walk away from um it's much harder to walk away from a, a human being Absolutely. So uh, before I let you go, is there anything else that you think would be valuable to the listeners uh, in regards to email or do you know just anything else that's on your mind that you think is worth sharing? Yeah, I think, you know, to that point about subscription models, look for the ways to build a subscription in, Um, you know, going back to Tushy, we, we talked about how they they added this toilet paper option, um, which they certainly didn't have to do. But it creates a subscription for them where they are, their brand is now front and center every single time uh, somebody you know renews the product. So every month, their, their logo is showing up inside someone's house. Um, and it just keeps the brand top of mind, especially if you have something that people don't purchase all that often. Like let's say... Um, you know, you're, you sell furniture, couches and chairs and things. Maybe you have a pillowcase monthly subscription where they can change out their pillowcases that on the, the like, you know, 12 by 12 square pillow that you give in every order. Um, giving them a different pillowcase option. Uh, and that can be something that's set to monthly, three months, six months. Um, so there's lots of options to create a subscription and, create messaging to your regular existing customers about the subscription and how it benefits them and um, how it speaks to what their greater needs are. But always go back to the customer to figure out what that subscription should be and and try it, right? Like the worst thing that happens is that um, you know, you get a handful of people who are interested and and you decide, hey, we're not going to go this route anymore. But I think the most important thing to do in email is to test things and uh, see what sticks. And, and you can do that a lot more easily if you understand your customers through those interviews. Val, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all these awesome insights. Hey, thanks for having me, Chase. You're welcome. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. 
we've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.